We can't see it, but we're all trapped inside these strange repeating loops. Billions of people just living out their lives. Oblivious. But this is the moment for you to show us what is real. And those of us who jumped down the rabbit hole in 1999 do too. Hey, hello and welcome to another episode of the Forever Fangirls podcast. I'm Sheila Amato and you can find me and my wife on our website at foreverfangirls.com. And I am Kimberly Amato and you can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram with the handle at foreverfanpodpod. I'm doing the echo thing again, I know. Same handle, three socials, I don't know why. Oh my goodness. Anyway, we are your hosts and we're glad you can join us. And we do have a great show for you today because we are going to be discussing the new Keanu Reeves film, Matrix Resurrections, which we're going to be calling Matrix 4 just so we don't kind of convolute it with the other three. Okay. Um, And as always, spoilers are ahead. So if you have not seen Matrix 4, as we're calling it, um, please be aware that we will be talking about major plot points. So pause us, watch the film, and then come back and listen to our discussion. So, this is our last episode for 2021. Yeah. And it is our 50th. Yeah. Officially 50th. Officially 50th. So, even though we have like the episodes 3A and whatnot, we just wanted to um, take a moment to say thank you to all of our listeners for choosing to spend time with us. You know, this started out as an endeavor just so we could spend some more time together. And now we have so much fun doing this and we love hearing from all of you. And it has become this community, uh, the Forever Fangirls family. And uh, thank you so much for being a part of that. Yes, thank you. And we also wanted to take a few moments to say that we hope everyone is having a wonderful and safe holiday season with friends and family. And while we don't know what the new year brings, we wish all of you the joy, all the love, all the happiness, just just all the best for the new year. And uh, with that, shall we start our discussion of The Matrix 4? Yes. Yes? Yes, we shall. Okay, go ahead. All right, so um, normally we do from IMDb, and I was thinking about all the different voices because a lot of people say do voices for these, and I I, I was trying to do like a... You Bill love and, doing the voices. Who I do, kidding? I do, but I was trying to get the Bill and Ted type sounding and be like, oh, you know, like to find out, like, oh, dude, uh, sweet, you know. But I'm I, not sure that that's going to work, though. Yeah, and I couldn't quite perfect it. So if you do have a voice you want us to try, um, I'm working on Cookie Monster. Um, I will uh, I will try to figure it out and listen to it and listen to it and listen to it and keep trying but I think for the Matrix the uh, in a world type voice works so I'm just going to go with that if that's okay Um, okay here's a summary from Google so wife got it from Google this time to find out if his reality is a physical or mental construct Mr. Anderson aka yeah I had to do it that way (laughs) aka Neo We'll have to choose to follow the white rabbit once more. If he's learned anything, it's that choice, while an illusion, is still the only way out of or into the Matrix. 
Neo also knows what he has to do, but what he doesn't yet know is that the Matrix is stronger, more secure, and far more dangerous than ever before. I wonder if they have a firewall. (laughs) I was going to say, are they really secure if the rebels still are rebelling? Yeah, they need an antivirus. (laughs) Anyway, um, I was actually thinking that you were going to do like that computer voice because it's the Matrix. Oh, I should have to find out if his reality is a physical. No, no, stop. I should not have said anything. I totally should have done it that way. No. Okay. Anyway. So um, in November 2003, to give just a little bit more context to this, um, Neo and Trinity essentially made the ultimate sacrifice for dying for the cause of liberating the human race, right? Because in this world, the machines are sentient and they're using humans as an energy source. So in order for the machine, for the humans to keep producing this quote energy, um, the machines are keeping them in the simulation called the Matrix, right? Um, And there are a few humans who discovered the truth, broke out of the simulation, and they're working to build a rebellion against the machines, right? So that was in 2003. Um, Fast forward almost 20 years later, 18 to be exact, um, other people see Neo in his 60s, and he's this like guru programmer who who programmed the video game The Matrix, right, that trilogy, Um, but he sees himself as a much younger version, right? Not as young as what he was in 2003, but still, you know, pretty young. Um, and now Neo is wondering if he's imagining everything that has happened. Is it truth? We're not, he's not sure. And you know, that doesn't even cover the changes within the matrix itself. Yeah. And just, uh, just to finish on that, they basically, if anybody remembers seeing the first trilogy, they die Neo and Trinity, and mm-hmm. they are rebuilt by the machines and kept apart, and they power the new Matrix, basically. Right. They are the most powerful source of energy, and they've learned that by letting them wanting and longing for one another and close, keeping people... but not too close. Yeah, close, but not touching. That is how things are powered, and that is important because that's basically that's the, the whole premise, premise of, the whole, of the story. Yeah. And so, let us talk about... The good, the bad, the cute, the unicorn poop. Yeah, so go ahead. The bringing back of Keanu Reeves and, and Carrie Ann Moss. To reprise their roles as Neo and Trinity, respectively? Yes. Yeah, I just, yeah. I mean, um, they could have, considering, um, you know, we don't have Morpheus as it was, the, you get the point. Mm. <laughs> um, Lawrence Fishburne is not there. We could have had a different iteration of Trinity. They chose not to do that. I I like that. Yeah, I, I also like the fact that they didn't make them like simulated very young, right? That they, um, they're they actually, they're, they're... They look as they are. They're normal age, yeah. Yeah. right? They, they're, not, uh, they're not made to look younger. Um, well, they said that when they, they kept them young in the pod and aging slower or something. I remember how they did it, but they did reference it. Right. But they're not like the, you know, they're 2003 versions. Yeah. Like they're, they're, you know, not 20 years younger. They're not really creepy CGI versions of themselves. Right. Exactly. That's my point. Yes. Yeah. That, that, that to me was a good because it's showing them naturally. Yeah. As they are, as they, they are quote and yeah. quote. They're great. Yes. 
I, I cannot imagine Matrix without Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss. I mean, it, I, yeah, can't. you and I were discussing that. Like, could they really go forward without them? And, and no, I really don't think they could. Maybe in the, down in the line, maybe they could if they had developed the storyline and have them. Maybe that's what this new trilogy's for, so that the the changing of the guard, like Star Wars, the mm-hmm. second trilogy or the third trilogy, mm-hmm. seven, eight, nine. Um, maybe that's what they're trying to do. Maybe. Um, and speaking of characters that they brought back, they also brought back Jada Pinkett Smith as um, Naomi. Yeah, that makeup job was awesome. Yeah, I was like, wait. It was the that? voice. It was the voice in the eyes. Yes. And I'm like, oh, that's so great. That's yeah. awesome. I'm like, is that Jada Pinkett Smith? I'm like, oh my God, it is. Okay. <laughs> um, so in the reboot, right, because this is really what this is yeah let's be honest <laughs> a reboot um you know you have to introduce new characters and for me i really really loved um jessica henwick as bugs like that character just i thought that character was just awesome i'm gonna reserve judgment until we get a little bit later because there's a reason for it okay um okay so there there's uh, jessica henwick and then neil patrick harris as doogie i mean not doogie hauser the analyst the analyst <laughs> To me, I see I see Neil Patrick Harris, and I still think of Doogie Howser. And yet, he is so good at playing a villain, I, right? So it's weird because in my head, I do see Doogie Howser, the cute innocent, and then I'm like, oh, Doogie Howser's a murderer. He's Dexter, you know? <laughs> what? <laughs> I totally went on a tangent there. Yes, but yeah, he's he's a, he's an excellent, uh, versatile actor, and it's nice to see him doing something different. Yes, um, such a baby face, but right? Oh. Um, Okay, so then we also have Jonathan Groff as Smith, younger version of Smith. Um, and then we have, uh, okay, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing this, Yah, 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 I think, Yah, Yah, Abdul Mateen II as Morpheus slash Agent Smith. And if we're saying that incorrectly, please correct us because we can play the sound on Google all we want, but that doesn't mean it's correct. Yes. So, um, yeah, I, I love the, the, the new cadre. Of, of new characters. Um, you also mentioned that you like the nostalgia elements. Yes, I love the fact that they were bringing in scenes from the original trilogy to try to bridge, um, you know... The, bridge the bridge gap. The, because you do yeah. have the the original audience who watched the trilogy and you have a new audience. You mm-hmm. need to bridge the gap. Yeah. I... I can't really comment on that because I I don't remember how many scenes took up the whole screen, but what I did enjoy about how they did it is they did it very differently. Like they'd be sitting in a theater and they'd have the white curtains hanging and they're playing the memories because it's part of the matrix. They can access those memories wherever they want. So I, again, that kept that idea of the matrix is controlled by the computer. So they can just take out and extract what the computers already have there and just replay it. Mm -hmm. But really and truly it shows that the matrix is still being run by these computers. Yeah. Um, the other good that I, and I know that you don't agree with me on this, Mm -hmm. but, um, to me, the evolution of Neo, where in this one, he doesn't use any guns. No, he uses that shield force. Yes. He, you know, when, when he finally taps into his, his inner core, if you will, his power just manifests itself into a shield and he ends up protecting not just himself, um, you know, people around him, specifically Trinity. He also does uh, Kung Fu, though. He even says, ooh, I remember I know Kung Fu. Yeah. So, I mean, he does fight a little bit. Yes, but he doesn't use guns. Whereas, you know, in the, fir- in the first trilogy, he does. Yeah. So, I personally like that. I'll reserve judgment. Uh, um, 
I love that Trinity is still an unequivocal bad in this, like this film. She really is. See, I was going to say that, and I was like, "I'm be she's a bad bleep because <laughs> I don't have the little button over here." And she rides a motorcycle. Yes, still she still rides the motorcycle, and and she and? can fly. She 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 can fly. No, no, sorry, wrong movie. I know. <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm trying to get through things so because we don't want to run too uh, long. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so then um, just to to expound a little bit on bugs then because i i i love the fact that they they build her character as this person who really w- is opposed to um to the machine she wants to find out the truth mm-hmm. right she's going through great lengths to find the truth she has conviction to stand her ground and will do it regardless of whether or not it opposes um general niobe um she cares for her crew. She wants to not leave any man or woman behind. Um, and she also was willing to, you know, do a very dangerous thing, even give up her life in order to release Trinity from the clutches of the machines. Yeah. I mean, she was a good character to a point. And I'm, I, that's why I say I can't, I can't say too much, but for what the character was meant to do, she was, um, she was the, the catalyst for how things got rolling. Yes. So she was the white rabbit. Sure. (laughs) She had the tattoo of the white rabbit. I know, but anyway, but yes, I agree with you. All of those aspects of the character were lovely. I reserve judgment for the rest. Okay. Shall we jump into the themes or was there anything specific good that you can still think of? No, those, those were my good. They're, they're, they're all my good because you're all bad. No, I agree, with, <laughs> I agree with you on some of your good. Stop. Stop. Uh, all right. So going to themes, mm-hmm. um, I think the biggest thing here is that choice. And they say this in the, in the lines of the, of the film, um, choice is an illusion and that you really know what you need to do. And, and I, I do agree with that, right? Well, yeah, because choice, sometimes the right choice is also the most difficult choice. Mm-hmm. And it it always it always brings to mind for me anyway that you know the the thing that you need to do is simple but it's not always easy. Right? And so mm. basically what you said making the right choice is not necessarily the easiest. It could be the most difficult decision. Yeah. I mean it's pretty self-explanatory but yeah I com- I completely agree. Yeah. And so the corollary to that is that you have to stand by the decision that you make, right? Once you make that choice, once you make that decision, you have to stand by, by it. Yeah. Okay. So what other, what other themes do we have here? For me, the standing in the truth was a very important, powerful and necessary statement. Mm -hmm. Um, If you look at Neo, he's constantly taking the blue pills. He's, He's doing all the right things. You know, he thinks something's wrong with him. He's getting help in therapy. He's, he's doing all the right things that when you, which we, we, you know, as individuals, we say, hey, if you need help, you get a therapist. So I'm not negating that. I think that that is fabulous that they had a character going to therapy. And that is a very powerful message too, that, it, you know, mental health really is an important thing to, to really address. Yeah, he is, he is trying to help himself. Mm-hmm. Going beyond that, to me, the blue pill has always been, like you, you actually wrote here, mercifully oblivious. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it is a way to kind of hide and you you block out who you really are. You, know, you block out all of those thoughts. Um, it would be like me blocking out my desire to be with women as well as men and, and living a life that maybe doesn't make me happy or maybe isn't my truth. And I'm not speaking for anybody else. This is how it reflected or, or how I interpreted it. Mm-hmm. For me, it was living my truth, my way. It will be hard. I will face oppression. I have to take that red pill and be painfully aware. And again, red, stop, hard, but it's also love. Mm-hmm. And I need to love myself enough to live that truth. And by doing so, in my humble opinion, I feel like the emotional and mental benefits I get by living in my truth outweigh those negative blockades and opposition um, and open me up to having like-minded individuals around me who then continue to support me so that I can grow and flourish and love and um, find happiness within myself even more so. Yeah. And I think that that, you know, one of the things that's really important here is that you need a support system, right? You can't do it alone. You can try and you, you have to get yourself to a point where you, you need to get yourself out, but it always is, helpful to have other people there supporting you so that you can move forward. We were talking about this the other day that, you know, we're our truth is that we're both bisexual women Mm -hmm. and we've had relationships with, with men in the past, but this is, this is the truth for us that we found each other and we are, we are happier together. That is a harder truth for us. And it also goes to, Another thing, theme-wise, is that love is the most powerful thing. It is. The reason they're functioning and empowering the entire matrix is their longing and desire for one another, their their anguish and their torment of not being together. Mm-hmm. You know, So love is the greatest power apart. They're longing and they're broken and all of that energy goes into powering everything. But together, they're like... Even more powerful. They're even more powerful, but they're uncontrollable mm. because they support each other and they love each other and they, they keep going. So I also think the idea of them dying and being rebuilt and putting in these pods that love is eternal. Love See, just, that was my point. <sighs> love keeps going. Yes. Love doesn't stop. Love doesn't stop. Um, so the, the other thing that, that, um, I thought for themes here anyway, was that, um, you know, that two opposing factions can come together and make something beautiful and something flourish, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, in the, in the original trilogy, you had the two warring factions, the, the machines and the humans, mm-hmm. but here it actually is showing you that, you know, not all machines follow follow that 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 rhetoric and not all humans are think that the machines are bad so they come together and because they come together and they're able to work together they unlock the the code to actually grow different things like strawberries and they can make alcohol and they make food and then with the help of the machines they've created that particle thing so that right. they can show up in human form and work together and be tactile and right, and so you know they got further together mm-hmm. than they were apart. So the the theme here for me is that diversity is a good thing, right? Having different skill sets, having different points of view. Yet it's it it's not 
it's not always to to um, be opposing, but if you if you find a way to harness that and work together, it brings such beautiful things. It's fruitful. Aha! Uh-huh. I like what you did there. Thank you. Um, but also, it to me it in shows me that the extremes don't work. They're just shackles of a different section. Yeah. Um, the only other theme that I have here that I want to bring up is that um, when Smith says that, you know, quote, that's the thing with stories, they never really end, do they? When when he said that, a different um, saying actually popped in my head, which is, and I don't know why I often hear this, but I do, um, that, you know, we don't die at the end of our story. We die at the middle, Right. Our story never really ends because we're not wired to think about the end, right? We think about, okay, this is what I'm going to do this year. It's going to be fine. It's going to be great. It's going to be grand. And to me, that's all. That's a, um, it's a reminder that we should take each day and take the opportunities that we're given and really live to the fullest because we don't know when that end is coming. And if we live as if we're going to end and we don't plan, we don't live at all? Yes. For me... It reminded me of Shakespeare, um, all the world's a stage, and the men and women merely players. So the machines are Shakespeare, and that the well, men just and women are. The, just the idea that you know it is a stage because a stage to me acting, and then you've got the Matrix creating the stage for you to be a merely a player on it. Mm. But when you wake and you take that red pill and you live in your truth, then you're not just a player; you're a writer. Mm. You are the creator of your life. See, I like that too. Very nice. Um, any more good or themes? No, I'm I'm okay. All right. So now I'm going to buckle up here because it's bad. <laughs> I know you've been holding back. I, I have been a little bit. Um, it's going to be a bumpy ride, folks. No, it's not. Hold on. Go ahead. <laughs> you start. <laughs> um, okay, so... You've said this before when we were watching it, and I have to agree with you. The storytelling here, even though it is the Matrix, did fall a little flat. Yeah, I. Um, and, and going back to when I said I was reserving judgment mm. to Bugs and all the other characters, what do we really know about him besides what was dictated to? Literally, I mean, there's so many other new characters that they've introduced, but besides Bugs, the analyst, Morpheus, which was connected to a character that is ingrained in our brains, mm-hmm. Neo, Trinity, and, and name one supporting character you mentioned that you know the name of. I can't. I was actually trying to think of the uh, the programmers that were there, but I, I don't. Yeah. But in fairness, I never really remember all of the characters' names when I watch a movie, so. Okay, but. The, the point of a trilogy, and this is where I think they kind of veered off, mm. it's a very tricky thing to do when you're rebooting a trilogy. We've seen it with Star Wars, uh-huh. um, and I'm going to compare them because, unfortunately, you know, they really did reboot Star Wars well, with 789, so that yeah. is what I get to compare it to with this. You still have to toe that fine line where you're keeping the people that originally saw it happy, and then having enough newness to bring in a whole new audience and grip them. And to me, you're already handing me all of these characters that I already know, that I've already developed connections to, that I already know the history of. In the case of Neo, Trinity, Morpheus, Nairobi, and um, Agent Smith. Mm -hmm. 
And then you're giving me all of them. What is new? You're giving us bugs in the analyst. Uh, and her crew. But the thing bugs is, do you, rem- do you remember the name of the crew? Do you have any emotional attachment to any of the crew? But to be fair, I don't remember the names of the crew from the first three either. Fair point. But do you remember or did they give enough development of the major players to get that new audience even in? I felt like they completely had this profound, important message and they wrapped it up in this very flat, not cohesive, thrown together, see what sticks story where there's not enough development to even get the point across. And it feels like the movie is so subpar that the important, powerful messages will be lost because they either will be the film will be turned off or people won't remember the message. They'll remember how bad the film was. Whereas when I look at The Matrix, the first one, I remember the message of living in your truth and being true to who you are and accepting who you are. That for a young generation that or a new audience that you want to grip, that might be lost. Yeah. As you were talking about that, another thing kind of just to tack on to what you said um, is that the way the way Keanu Reeves is in this film, right? He's not like the Neo of the Matrix. No, not with the crew cut and the short hair. Right. He he's more, you know, to me and I have not seen the John Wick films, but he looked like John Wick to me in in this. I can see that. And like I said, I didn't see the John Wick films, but. That's what I associated it with because I've seen the trailers for John Wick. So it's like, okay, um, were they going with? I wonder if they shot, because the new John Wick will be coming out soon too. I wonder if they shot them fairly close together where Keanu had to stay that way. Or if that's just how he prefers, you know, to carry himself. Who knows? I don't know. But I can see your point where a newer audience is going to be like, oh, let's see what John Wick is doing. And he's a very action-oriented character, Mm. and then you come to Neo, who's supposed to be this action-oriented character, and it really wasn't. This was more of a psychological, and I, again, loved how they handled the storyline of him developing, dealing with his demons, and trying to figure out fiction from reality in his way, and I think showing that torment that it's not an overnight thing for him was done well. Where that's bad is when they did it for Trinity, and it was like an almost overnight thing, like, hey, she woke up, she's perfect. Yes, and I I can agree that that's a little jarring, because an hour and a half of Neo trying to find himself, and then only 20 minutes for Trinity. Which goes to that point of... not enough Trinity. Yes. And yeah. that, I think, is why it was so um, annoying that they didn't give her character that time. It's just assumed that she's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know the film is about Neo, but if they're making the film about them as a couple and how they are the most powerful force, they and they need, they need to, I think if this was going to be a trilogy, they should have just ended it, instead of them both coming back to the analyst, they should have just ended it with them going, well, now what? Mm. I think it would have been a much better end and a more realistic one and even somewhat of a happier one because they're together and he could have just said, you know what, whatever we want, we're together now. And that would have been fine. Mm. Um, one of the biggest issues, there's, there's two major issues, major issues for me. Um, the first one was a little less of a plot hole so big that you could put the planet through it. Um, Wow, not not even a, a truck. It's no, the whole planet, planet huh? Oh, um, okay. Neo having just those four shields and kung fu 
I don't know if that was a, a personal choice. Um, I was thinking about it. Could it have been a film choice to use less guns? But then I'm like, but there were guns everywhere else and he kept stopping bullets. Um, it's his evolution. It, you say it's his evolution, but you also said that he was the protector for Trinity. And I found that to be utterly horrible. Mm. Um, until Trinity's by his side, you know, and we see this through the whole thing. He's struggling, 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 but then all of a sudden he finds Trinity. And then in the last thing, when they're in front of the analyst, they're like perfect. And Oh, Trinity and I were in our matrixy garb and they look all cool with their slick hair and acting all they're awesome, whatever it, for me, that was hard to swallow Mm. because you have spent this entire time showing him struggling. And then all of a sudden Trinity completes him. Now, while I get that, and I will tell you that, yes, 100% emphatically, they are soulmates, they complete each other, just like you complete me. It, in my humble opinion, almost negated the entire storyline of saying you need to live in your truth and find yourself and find happiness within yourself, because he doesn't find it until she's there. He's longing and upset until she's there. It, It just makes it feel like, well, where's his power? If his power isn't within, and his power is only because of her... And again, if maybe they had shown her struggling too and they come to it together, that shows that support system. But it just felt like she showed up, he was perfect, she was perfect, end scene. I can can see your point there. Um, But to me, I I just didn't feel that that was what they were going for. I I thought that, you know, Neo was trying to find himself. And so in order to find himself, he had to struggle. And the way that he was trying to do that was trying to remember trinity there was something about trinity well she's the trigger and i because their love was so strong through the first three i mean it'd be like if we were torn apart for years i would always find you i would know you were my you would be my grounding because we've already had that connection Mm -hmm. and that's why i say i get it but because they didn't develop her going through anything it just felt like all of a sudden trinity shows up and she's perfectly fine once she makes her choice she doesn't struggle and then she can fly and then he's going are you doing that and then all of a sudden he's like, oh, I need her. We're good. And life is grand. I think that ending sequence in front of the analyst destroys it. Mm. See, I think that it did show that she was struggling a little bit because she she could not get away from her husband and the children. She, yes, she did. She, well, she very easily, when he turned around she, and he looks had, at her and they lock eyes, she says, Neo. And that's it. It's like she knows so it's weird for me and it, it just, it takes me out and it makes me think, so you're telling me that I have to live in my truth, but that the only way I find my truth is by someone else completing me. And that takes away from me loving myself and being true to myself because now I'm being true to someone else again. I might as well be in the matrix. Mm, see, I didn't get that, but we okay, will look, just agree to disagree. Yeah, we're, we're just going to move on. So my final point, and then I'm really going to stop because I know I took this over. Now, we have been told that the Matrix is controlled by the robots. Oh, boy. So Here if the go. Matrix is controlled by the robots and the robots are telling all of the people what to do and there are spies because the analyst says he has spies everywhere. He can actually roll back time. He can literally make everything a loop. So nothing ever changes and he can control everything. Why the hell is Warner Brothers allowed? Because the Matrix, again, controlled by the robots. The analyst 
can go through and change it and relaunch it and reboot it and kill them over and over and over again, like nothing has ever happened, why would they allow Warner Brothers to create a sequel to the video game trilogy that is causing a problem, which makes Neo wake up, which makes him then take the red pill, which creates him leaving, which takes away their power, which then creates Trinity leaving, which then turns around and literally leaves the robots with no power. There's only two things I see as to why that happened. One, if we're going with actual story, it should have been indicated and it wasn't. And yes, I'm going on a tangent and I apologize, but it should have been referenced that there was maybe division within the robots and some wanted to go back to the past. And I think it was mentioned in passing that the analyst was losing his grip, but it wasn't really established that there was another faction possibly against him that wanted to go to the old way of the Matrix which, again, if that had been mentioned, this would have flown better for me. I think it was mentioned. But, but not, not, again, it, not it, enough. It wasn't front and center, yes. Yeah, it didn't say front and center. Just it, it had to be elaborated on just a tad. Not a one-line throwaway expected me to follow it. The only other way I see it working is if, well, Warner Brothers actually called and said, hey, we want to do a sequel to The Matrix because you know what sequels are popular right now and it'll make a lot of money, so let's just do one, figure it out. And that's how they figured it out. Yeah. And I think that they that's the, the whole reason why there was a reference of Warner Brothers making a sequel. The planet could fit through that plot hole. Because oh, yeah, basically yeah. you're telling me now, no one is in control of the Matrix. Well, no one can control Neo and Trinity, but yes. I, I mean, technically yeah, the why? Matrix could control them if it kept them asleep. They were under control. When they well, weren't they under were, control is when they were when they woke up. But so if, if they were, then then there wouldn't be rebels in the first place. But there are. But they were. There's, they were in when there's two, a will. There's a way. They were in two pods, right across from each other, in the most secure tower possible, which conveniently enough didn't have all the security necessary when this, that, and the other thing was happening. <laughs> it was just. Tell us how you really feel. It baby. was. It could have been. It should have been yes. much more than it was, and seeing. Knowing that they've ingrained in me that the Matrix is controlled and can be manipulated and contorted and changed at a moment's notice by a flick of the head where someone can become Agent Smith to then tell me that this video game that triggers his awakening is not their fault. All they had to do was stop that, reboot it and not make the video game a possibility. And guess what? He's still working on binary. You still have Trinity and him and the rebellion is living in, in their little, you know, their bubble world. And this never happens. The film never happens. No, I was just waiting for you to be done. Oh, funny. Anyway, let's go to the cute. <laughs> let's just go right to the cute. All right. Um, we will just agree to disagree there. How's That's that? fine. I, I kind of, I want to know what, what y'all think who are listening. Uh, if you agree with me or if you disagree with me or if you're indifferent, I'd love to know. All right. So with the cute then, um, and you have um, touched on this a lot. Um, you know, that when he said, you know, our beloved parent company, Warner Brothers has decided to make the sequel and they were going to do it with or without them. Right. It is a tongue in cheek reference. Yes. But to me, it also kind of symbolizes the fact that Hollywood will go back to the well. You know, they'll, they'll keep doing the same thing over and over again because they know it's going to make money rather than take a risk on something new. But the, the thing that, that I keep going back to, like trying to 
just uh, turn this over and over in my head is that they did take a risk on the original Matrix. Yeah. Right? It was new. No, no one had Again, ever done it. Again, revolutionary. They had to change. Yes. Same with Doctor Strange. They had to create things in order to do the special effects. Right. And so, you know, it, it actually became the the standard to which other action movies did their thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, you know, the... It's a double-edged sword. It is a double-edged sword because when you when you hit something new and it and it resonates with the audience, it's a great thing. It yes, it makes you a lot of money, but it also becomes the you know, part of the pulp culture. Yeah, uh, for me, the I liked the Black Cat um, because, and again, I don't know if this was meant, but you can't unring a bell. Mm. Um, I also, and if I'm wrong, please correct me, but I believe this is a callback to the 1999 film where Neo saw the cat uh, twice after the machines. Oh, wait, what? The machines altered the Matrix. Just saying, the machines <laughs> altered the Matrix. You're still on that, huh? Because it's, it's a, big, it's a very know. big problem. I, yes, I um, agree. But I do love that idea of you cannot ring a bell. Once you're aware, once you've woken up and either uh, educated yourself or lived in your truth or... Um, uh, accepted who you are and found your people. You can't go back. You unless, can't do that. Unless you want to be willfully ignorant and keep taking the blue pill because that's easier. Yeah. There's one more cute that I okay. wanted to just bring up. And that is when he was in the bathtub and he had <laughs> the rubber ducky on top of his head. Now the situation there is it's pretty dire, right? He was, he was going through this horrible, horrible thing, but the rubber ducky was there to try to make the situation a little lighter, you know, try to help him through it. Um, and, and that's all I have to say about that. I think that's it then. All right. So, um, okay. So that is our discussion of the matrix four. So it's time for our forever fangirls rating. Drum roll, please. We rate matrix four, 2.5 stars. And it's a hybrid rating. Yeah, like like I've said, I really went into this. I, I liked the trilogy and I really ran into this really, really, really wanting more. See, while I didn't necessarily like, look at my watch to see what time it is, like I, 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 I agree with you, Kimberly, that it was a little flat. Yeah. It wasn't as great as the first Matrix, but, but I did enjoy it for what it was. Yeah, I, I was entertained. And to me, the, st- the story of love enduring, right, no matter what, is really what held the movie together for me. Love is eternal. Love transcends. That's I'll give just, you that. That's just the romantic. See, that's just the romantic in me. And you say you're a romantic. Wait, you're telling me you find romance in the Matrix Resurrections, but you can't be romantic with me? <laughs> uh, no, I... That is not at all what I was saying. No, what I was saying is you say you're not the romantic type. I am. And you're saying, see, I found romance. I'm romantic. No, I, I, found, I found the romance in the, in the movie. Yes. Most of the time, you have to admit, all of that stuff usually goes over my head. I was impressed at what we did get out of it. And, and in your case, you got a lot of different things. I just really wasn't impressed with the overall. Mm. Um, but that is going to be our show. Thank you so much for joining us. If we did miss something or if there's something that you want to bring up, please uh, let us know by leaving a message at speakpipe.com forward slash forever fangirls podcast. And if you're listening to this on your smartphone, 
Um, be sure to hit that little subscribe button. And if you want to leave us a review, we do read them from all over the world. We hear you. Thank you so, so very much for leaving reviews. Yes, thank you so much. And so until next time, stay safe, be kind, and remember, a free mind can do a myriad of things. Seize the opportunity to make the best of the time that you have and go paint the sky with rainbows. <laughs>